0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're studying the book of Romans and learning how the power of the gospel impacts every part of our lives. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my friends, to today's episode. got so wound up uh, last episode that I forgot to introduce my postcard. That just came in uh, from one of our listeners. And this is from Ali and Ramon Espinoza and their cute little boy Maverick. And they were down in Florida at SeaWorld and got me this. It's one of these, these wood postcards. And it's of a, a killer whale a whale, Orca. It can weigh up to six tons? This postcard feels feels like it weighs six tons. But uh, thank you, uh, Ali and Ramon, dear friends, and had the opportunity to perform their wedding ceremony, one of the most beautiful ceremonies ever, just an incredible sight and venue. But more beautiful than that ceremony is your marriage, and I appreciate your friendship. You guys have been a blessing to me. Uh, speaking about being a blessing, Romans chapter 9 is such a blessing to my spirit as I think about our God, think about his plan, think about his choices, think about his grace, his mercy, all of it is right here in the passage that we're studying. Yesterday, I kind of set the table about the book of Romans, what's been going on, how Romans 9 just fits seamlessly in all of that. Because here are the Jewish people thinking, you yeah, know, what happened And I thought that we had special status, and God was using us in a special way, and it just seems like now we are kind of off on the shelf, and so many have rejected the truths that just a few Jews have embraced, and that is that Jesus is the Messiah. What's going on? Well, look back at verse number four, I tried to get here last episode, where the Apostle Paul describes the the people of God. He said, they're Israelites. And then he says this, to whom pertaineth the adoption? So in a sense, when God chose the nation of Israel to be his special emissary in the Old Testament, to reflect his glory and to, through whom he would reach the world, that was the purpose of the selection of Israel. The Bible says he adopted them in the sense of you are my son." So, and often you'll see that language in the Old Testament. Uh, My son, I've called my son out of Egypt, referring to uh, Israel in, in, in those days. And so Israel corporately was viewed as God's child. That's not the only metaphor God uses. We see in the book of Hosea, for instance, that he viewed her as a bride. And there are other examples, but adoption. Then the Bible says, and the glory. So the glory here refers to the... The, the, the glory of God, the Shekinah or Shekinah, sometimes people pronounce it that way, glory of God. And we know that God chose to deposit his glory, his presence among his people. Remember at Shiloh for those 369 years, later on in the inauguration of the temple, the Solomonic temple, then, then again, the, the Ezra temple later on, the temple of Jesus' day, the glory of God. Then the Bible says, and the covenants. So the these special agreements that God made with his people, whether it be the Abrahamic covenant or the Mosaic covenant, also called the Sinaitic covenant, or the Davidic covenant. These were special covenants that God made uh, by, uh, with his people, promises that he made, some unconditional, like the promise to Abraham some conditional like the Mosaic covenant uh, and a standard by which they could not live, uh, up to which they could not live, that simply showed them their need for that new covenant that God spoke about in Jeremiah chapter 31, Ezekiel, other passages. So it was given to them. God communicated his covenants through his people. So the adoption, the glory, the covenants, Then the Bible says here, the giving of the law and the law, even though it was a mirror to show Israel how, how far she had fallen short of God's standards, the law still was very beneficial. It was the way by which God protected his people. It gave them information about who God is, how God behaves, what his likes and dislikes are, what his expectations are, the giving of the law, what a special blessing that was. And and that's what Paul referred to back in Romans 3, when he said, boy, the, the privilege of receiving the oracles of God. And then the Bible says here in verse number four, and the service of God, service here refers to service in worship, that it was given to the Jews to be able to worship God in in all of these very specific ways, unique ways, through the systems and processes that were given in Leviticus, all of which pointed to the character of God and the coming of Christ. Look at verse number four, one last time, and the promises, the promises. So the promises of the Old Testament, the chief promise of which was the coming of Messiah. That was the promise of the Abrahamic covenant that I'm going to bless the whole world through you, through your seed. And then Paul makes the distinct case in Galatians 3, he saith not and to seeds as of many, but as of one and to thy seed, which is Christ. So what is the primary way by which God wanted to bless the world through Abraham, through the giving of Messiah? Why? Because the world needed a redeemer. You and I need a redeemer. Everyone needs a redeemer. So the the gift of Abraham or of Israel to the world was Messiah. And she was supposed to reflect the glory of God to the nations around her, to demonstrate in the Old Testament that there is a coming seed and, and the God Jehovah is the God. And yet she failed, didn't she, over and over again in that responsibility, insofar that when the seed finally showed up Jesus it was Israel the the Jesus own people that rejected him his own family his own home village his own country indeed he came unto his own but his own received him not but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of god so what, what what's the point here. The point here is that Israel has a storied history and great privileges. And yet in spite of these privileges, she kind of ended up on the wrong side of the gospel when the good news actually came in the person of Jesus. So it would seem then that the word of God and all these promises and all these things that God did for her, that they just didn't work or that they didn't have any real value. And that's exactly the hypothetical question that the Apostle Paul poses. So, verse number six, where he says this, not as though the word of God hath taken none effect. Because to some Jews who are seeing this, they're thinking, but what about us? It just looks like all the promises that God made to Israel it just looks like they were worthless and that they are fruitless because we have rejected and and the great mass of Judaism has is not on board with this so it just seems as if and Paul's going to make the case that oh no 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 the word of god is just as powerful as it's ever been and the plan of god is just as much in place as it's ever been so verse number Six again, so not as though the word of God has taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. So the first point that the Apostle Paul makes here is that, well, wait a minute, you're potentially upset because it seems as if a minority of Israel is actually embracing Israel Abraham's seed. Uh, embracing the Messiah. And what the Apostle Paul is about to demonstrate is it has always been a subset. It has always been a subset. That was always part of God's selected plan. Look, Look at verse number nine or eight, where we, seven, there we go, where we begin with the father of the Jewish nation. That's a good place to begin. Abraham, look at verse number seven. Neither, because they are the seed of Abraham, are they all children? But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So how does the Apostle Paul begin this discussion with these that are confused, feeling as if the word of God has taken none effect? He says, first of all, well, let's look back to Father Abraham. How many sons did Abraham have? I think that most of us would say, well, Some would say one, but no, physically he had more than one. Some might say, well, two, Isaac and Ishmael. And you'd be right, but he had more than that. Remember, after Sarah died, Abraham had six more sons to a woman by the name of Keturah. So Isaac physically was one of eight sons. Now think of that. And yet the promise came through only one of those eight sons, came through Isaac. And why is that important? Because there was a nationalistic feeling, uh, a, a kind of a lineage prejudiced feeling among Jews that, hey, I get a special pass. I get special favor because I am Abraham's child. And what Paul is teaching here is, yeah, but Abraham had seven of his eight children that didn't have a They weren't selected for special service. And that's exactly what election means, by the way, a selection for special service. Just like we have elections and we elect governors and elect mayors and elect House of uh, Representatives for the House and senators and presidents. Uh, We elect them for special service. And so here, uh, God has made a, a selection among a discreet selection among Abraham's children to say, it's Isaac through whom the seed will come. It's Isaac that is the one that I have chosen, even though he's not the oldest of, of, of the children. He is the one I am selecting because this is my choice for he will be the one and his children through whom uh, uh, through whom i will work in a special way and assign a very special task special service they will be the curators of the seed of messiah okay are are we seeing here a little bit of a pattern developing and the pattern is this that god is using a minority among the, this larger group for a special and select task. So remember when the Jews came out to Bethabara, where John the Baptist had been preaching? And some of them were erroneously thinking that, hey, we're fine because we are Abraham's seed. And remember what John said to them in Matthew chapter, what was it? Matthew 3, Luke 3, wherever it was, Luke 3. It's gonna bother me now, so I gotta look it up. Boy, have you ever had one of those brain freezes where you just uh, hang on a second? It'll come to me. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's Luke chapter three. Hang on one second. Look at me here. One day you're gonna be old, and uh, yeah, there we go. So yeah, Luke chapter three. In fact, while I'm here, let me just go ahead and read the verse, which is. Verse number eight, he says, Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance and begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. What's the point? The point is that this was common among Jews in those days to feel like we have special status just because of our lineage And what the Apostle Paul is showing here, demonstrating irrefutably, is you don't have special status based upon your physical birth. You do not have special status based upon your physical birth. And I'm going to stop right there because that's really point number one and the argument that he begins to make as he's leading confused Jewish readers to a place where He's justifying God's choices and ultimately God's choice to include the Gentiles in this grand plan of redemption, which includes you and me. So we'll stop there in Romans chapter nine and verse number seven. We'll come back to it next episode. Hope you'll join us. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, take a moment to subscribe or share the podcast with a friend. Until next time, God bless.